and welcome to So Farscape. A fun-filled Farscape fancast by a fervent fan. And a frankly fascinated first-timer. I'm Kaki. I'm Kay. And, and this, this is, is the story So, so Farscape. Farscape. Oh, we're, we're desynchronizing again. We've oh. been doing so well. Oh, well. It maybe adds a little mysterious element when... Oh, yeah, I like that. Yeah, you've got, you've got to switch things up every now and again. You right. can't just do the same thing over and I mean, over again. I mean, they'd be thinking that we like just reuse the same soundbite every time, and we can't have that. Wait, could we have done that? I suppose so. Wow, that would have saved so much editing. It, it probably would have taken just as many takes to get it right. So Yeah, it, but then you have the same problem. You just wind up doing the same thing over and over again. Like right. if you have a Farscape podcast, you can't review Farscape every episode. Well, that's kind of the point of a Farscape podcast. But instead... We're actually breaking with that tradition again. Yes, because it's time for season two's greatest hiatus. How long is the hiatus this time? Ooh, I should have looked that up, shouldn't I? I think it was about another six weeks okay. suddenly. So after either picture, if you will, or the way we weren't, like in some territories they mm-hmm. were uh, they were swapped in the order, there was a big long gap. Before, oh dear! Uh, before Pro- you probably another w- waiting for the next broadcasting season to start and God only get knows, moving like, back with it. There were so many hiatuses. Like we're obviously, I'm not going to inflict every single one on on you. That would really slow down our tempo. Yes, but in order to uh, have our listeners experience a little bit of that anticipation, where they're not going and, to you get mean that anticipation. <laughs> right? Okay, I'm looking at you. When is it coming? No? Okay. Uh, in order to... Patience. Ha- <laughs> right. As I was saying... <laughs> yes. In order for our listeners to... Uh, to Actually, in order to inflict a little pin, bit of that longing and uh, desire for I the mean, next episode... mostly on you, right? Oh, well, yes. But also on our listeners who have to, like, listen to us ramble about something entirely... Well, almost completely, but not entirely unrelated to the podcast that they're actually coming to us for. I was surprised that you said unrelated. That's not what I expected. I Like, okay, what are we discussing today? Well, it's a, it's a production by the Jim Henson Company. Yep. It's from the year 1999. Correct. Involving space travel, colorful yep. aliens, found family... And... Uh, hefty dose of comedy and body horror... I suppose, yes, that's very very good. There's an insane military commander. There is, yes. In I mean, pursuit. you wouldn't call him particularly insane, but yeah, in pursuit of... In uh, pursuit of a, a, a lone, like, a, a man a out of time yeah. and space. Yes. Oh, maybe you're very good. Yes. Right? There's, there are more similarities than uh, I had originally thought about. Because we're talking about... Muppets from space. <laughs> Muppets from space. <laughs> <laughs> we, I, I had a whole list of possible candidates to do during a, a greatest hiatus, and instead of any of the items on that list, you proposed Muppets from Space, and it's so great, because this is how Farscape is often described. It's Muppets in Space, because, you know, I mean, yeah, Jim Henson I'm, animatronics. I mean, there's only Rigel and Pilot, really, but, and of and course, they don't count as Muppets, the odd creatures. No, that's true, because yeah. they're from the creature shop. There's actually only one other connection between Farscape and Muppets from Space, that is right. Brian Henson. Cause yes. Because he, he's the only one who was directly involved with both. Ah, I, I looked okay. it up. None of the puppeteers or anything. No overlap only, at all. No, only Brian Henson is the only one who is actually... He, do, he does a few of the puppets in uh, Muppets from Space. And he was, right. of course, a producer for uh, uh, Farscape. Farscape was his baby. It was his, mm. uh, his project from as early as uh, 1991. He worked together with a writer whose name now escapes me. Like, there's a, there's a sort of pitch document from when it was still called Space Chase. Okay. Very early on, where it's going to be yeah. uh, much more Buck Rogers. He was like cryo frozen and 
Moya was going to be this sort of red dwarf-like mining vessel with a detachable front. She wasn't even alive yet. Oh, okay. I mean, she is kind of... Well, she's not on the scale of red dwarf. Red, red dwarf is enormous, but... Yeah, huge. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it was originally going to be some kind of uh, uh, commercial shipping vessel with a... Right, like an, astro- like an Ostromo yeah. and... And Scorpius was going to be introduced much sooner and he was going to be insectoid. I think they did much better than that. Well, with, uh, with Wayne Pygram, certainly... Hang on, who's Wayne Pygram again? Scorpius. I mean, you know, oh, sorry, yeah, me and names. Oh, pardon me, yeah. You might remember him as uh, Grand Moff Tarkin yes. from Star Wars Episode Three: Revenge of the Sith. <laughs> Which was good. I mean, like, I wonder why they didn't use him for, uh, what's it called again? Not uh, uh, Rogue One. Rogue One, yeah. Oh, his cheekbones fell off. It was very sad. <laughs> yeah, he just wasn't eligible anymore. Wow. Yeah, it turns out he was faking it this whole time. Dang. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, we have Muppets from Space for you today. Yes, I'm so I'm so excited because uh, this one completely passed me by. I have never seen it, and I'm, I'm I mean that's a prime huge. that's a prime candidate for one of these uh, great hiatuses. Yeah. It has to be something that you haven't seen. I I know, and I like I'm amazed that I didn't even know of its existence, and I'm like obsessed with Muppets Treasure Island. Uh, I mean that's great. It, it is, and Tim Curry. <laughs> Upstage, lads, this is my only number. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So, um, I mean, you, you, you have the Muppet, uh, the Muppet meme thing, where it's like, take one movie and replace all the characters with Muppets, except for, except for one, one person. Oh, so yes, that's who right. Who pick for Farscape? Oh, now, this is really interesting, because I've spent a lot of the time that we were watching this movie just now. And you know how normally we take extensive notes and really like yeah. reflect on our feelings and how you especially, and now I'm in your role, mm-hmm. are supposed to like keep a running tally of what you're feeling and experiencing. I yeah. didn't do any of that. I made a matrix of which Muppet matches with which Farscape cast member. All right, let's go. Let's start with that. I made a few notes of that myself, so... Okay, this movie centers on a different sort of core cast. Fozzie is not such a, a big deal as no. it was in uh, in Treasure Island. So it, it was kind of interesting to correlate. But I've got John as either Gonzo or Miss Piggy because... Oh. Yeah. I, I think mostly Gonzo because he is the creature out of space and time. He is the fish out of water, yearning and searching for a way home and like embracing these wacky opportunities and misunderstanding them and getting yeah. in trouble. I don't want to be alone! I, I had uh, Rizzo as John. Interesting. Because How does that work? He, he's the one with the snarky little comments and the, the pop culture references. Oh, and- yes, that's right. Rizzo the rat. Yeah. Uh, Rizzo? No, it's Santa, but I forgot my reindeer. My Rizzo was going to be Chiana. Uh, sorry, no, I had Rizzo and uh, and Pepe, the yeah. uh, the King Prawn. Like, yeah. they're a pair of miscreants. Right. we got to tell him the truth, Pepe. You tell him. And I will smack you. I will smack you like a bad, bad donkey, okay? Yes. Right, they have a similar cynical attitude. I had Pepe as Rigel. I had Rizzo as Rigel. <laughs> I can see where you're. I, I can see the energy where you're coming from in that regard. Right. Yeah. I, ha- I had Pepe as Chiana because Pepe is just a little bit cooler and he True. lands on his feet a little bit better. I suppose. And we've got a lovely scene with him in the uh, ballet outfit uh, doing his uh, little dance. <gasps> oh yeah, that's right. He's also probably a little trapezoid. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Kermit was a tricky one. I initially put Kermit next to uh, uh, next to Zan in yeah. my matrix because okay. uh, 
Kermit is the voice of reason and keeps everything, everyone calm in the opening scenes of this film. But then I realized, no, Kermit is probably more pilot. I had Kermit yes, for pilot, exactly. yes. <laughs> he's the one who's quietly just trying to keep everything together. Keep, he's steering people along, like nudging them around, not really having a massive influence on anything, but like he's yep. very much a, a core component which has to be there and has to like... Keep oh yeah, he's the mortar and cement keeping this family together. Good morning, everyone. Good morning. Good morning. For Zana, I had I wound up with Dr. Bunsen. Oh, okay. Here at Muppet Labs, we've come up with a number of devices that should aid you in your covert operations. Kiss of the science. Yeah. And the sort of that makes bright sense. optimism. No equivalent for Beaker, thankfully. Well, no. maybe some of the DRDs would be Beaker. Oh, that would actually make sense. They, they get a lot of punishment inflicted upon them without any uh, particular yeah. reason. So that is actually a very good <laughs> oh, one. No, I guess, yeah, Beaker as the uh, as the DRDs. And, Who uh, did you have for Aaron? Because I found Aaron very tricky. Oh, I did not actually come down. I mean, Aaron... I mean, I kind of have to go with Miss Piggy because of the martial artist, like the, right. the whole slapping people around. And uh... I was but... thinking that as as well. Although, like in the last episode of Farscape that we saw, you had uh, Zan actually kicking a fair bit of ass, and I sort of yeah. compared that to Miss Piggy's like ability to go from zero to a hundred in a in a microsecond. And Erin has been the voice of reason very much in the last few episodes. Yeah, which is not a Miss Piggy trait. No. Absolutely not. She likes to escalate. (laughs) She wakes up and she chooses glorious violence. (laughs) So, yes. Today, uh, I think I shall cause problems on purpose. But who else could we get? uh, Erin? I uh, know. It's really tricky because Erin is highly competent. She's focused. She's maybe not, like, uh, uh, always in tune with everybody else. She's very independent. I landed on Animal. (laughs) Animal. (laughs) Sorry. Yeah. I can uh, go there. Right? Yeah. We couldn't connect to your Wi-Fi oh, fuck app. <laughs> Please open the Google Home app to reconnect no. to Wi-Fi. How did that even, like... Rem- <laughs> no. No. Stop doing that. Okay, we are joined here today by... My soundbar. Uh, yes, <laughs> exactly. Uh, we uh, Don't worry, we're never going to name any of the uh, intelligent agents. <laughs> Apparently, I just saw in the news that Google is experimenting with... Uh, oh, I just said it. Uh, with the ability to just say stop to them when they're doing an alarm, so you don't have right. to say the key phrase. That makes sense, yeah. So if you hear us yelling stop, then... Either we're doing that to his soundbar or we're doing some kind of wedgie war. Oh, dear. Hey, who do you have for Dargo? Oh, ooh, for Dargo, I think I had the bear guy. I think his name was uh, Bozo. I'll just be over here then. Right this way, General. He was called, his name is Bozo or something like oh, that. Oh, okay, but, yeah, uh, the ex-circus bear, the sort yeah. of uh, friendly assistant, about human-sized. Yes, about uh, right. A little yeah, very human. He's very quiet. He doesn't really do much, to be honest, other than repeat whatever uh, Ed says. But I like how he sort of sings about what he's doing at any given moment. And True, he's, yeah. Uh, and he had a little bit of Hagrid in him as well. Shouldn't have said that. <laughs> yeah. I had... So, director Ed, that is a character, I think, unique to this uh, this film, played by uh, uh, the fantastic Jeffrey Tambor. As ambassador of Earth, I welcome you. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <sighs> Who is the uh, the leader of Covnet, which is a, a military or a military adjacent government agency yep. pursuing extraterrestrial activity on uh, on Earth? Um, I had Director Ed as Scorpius. I can see that because uh, there is a scene where he literally puts. Uh, 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 Gonzo in an Aurora chair and before yes. 
sucking his brain out. So pretty much, yeah. That's uh, I, I can see where you came from in that regard. Yes, he's uh, and that made Bear his lieutenant. Yeah. Okay. Played by David Franklin. And yeah. it really frustrates me that he hasn't been named yet because I know what his name is. Obviously, ah. I'm that kind of nerd, but we but he can't is, get ahead of so ourselves. So far now, he is the lieutenant. Speaking of getting ahead of ourselves, let's get into the movie. Yes. Prepare to stop him. Well, it opens up with almost like a wormhole scene, but it's just flying through space. Yes, there's sort of like snowflakes flying toward us that turn out to be stars. Zooming in on a weather front, which seems to be located somewhere about northern Africa, which seems to be not the right location, because what we see is Noah's Ark, and that should happen in the Iraq region, Uh, historically speaking. Yeah, it's the flooding of the Euphrates and the Tigris, which is... Generally, right. more oh, or less oh, okay. attributed to be the whole uh, the flooding myth, the where, land where, of milk and honey, where, the that, origi- of where that originally came from. Yes, and we see Gonzo rushing towards the ark, trying to get on board with Noah blocking his way in, asking him, "What are you anyway?" Uh, let's say, put me down as a whatever. What do you mean? What is your species? Well, well, uh, uh, I don't know. Come Noah, in. played by F. Murray Abraham. Like, there are so oh. many fantastic cameos in this movie, and there are so many that I did not recognize because <laughs> the 90s are... A long time ago at this point. <sighs> and I was just not that cool uh, or, like, tuned into American television, I guess. So the one thing I took away from that scene the most, other than that it's just, like, funny how he gets, uh, like, booted off the ark or he doesn't even get on the ark. Because there's only one of him. Oh, yep, yeah, there's that, yeah. And he can't name a species, so that... Of, of course, also doesn't happen. And Noah, of course, after shutting the door on him, opens it again, hands him this little <laughs> umbrella. umbrella. It's like, here, you're going to need this. Oh, but the thing cool. that I really took about this, like, that door is below the waterline. Yes, I had that too. <laughs> I had that too. <laughs> You've got to ramp up to this door that is, ooh, good luck with that arc. Yeah, that's not going to be watertight for very long. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it, it, of course, it turns out to be a dream, and he is having a nightmare about being alone and being the only one of his kind. I don't want to be alone! He he barely gets any comfort from Rizzo. Basically tells him that he's there for him and then promptly falls asleep. Uh, You're skipping over the part where... He kicks Rizzo there out is, of the window. There is always a scene with Rizzo <laughs> hanging on a ledge at some point in a Muppet movie. That's, <laughs> it goes like, without saying. I like that they're roommates. They're sort of uh, Burton Ernie style, style roommates. Very true, yeah, yeah. I mean, they've always been a bit of it. I won't say a couple, but... Uh, I mean, Gonzo is always either doing stuff with the chickens or doing stuff with the rats. Don't say doing stuff well, like that. You make it sound getting so Getting up weird. to things. Well, that doesn't oh, make that's it sound worse. any better. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, because we're in the big Muppets house and we're, uh, we're now treated to a, a fantastic sequence of, like, uh, all overlaid with the track, uh, what's it called? Brick House in this I think brick? It, yeah, I think that's what it's called. House. This soundtrack was bananas. This soundtrack is so much fun. So it's interesting. This is actually the first Muppet movie, which is technically not a musical. And it's also... Oh, yeah, good point. And it also doesn't use original music. They, they, went, yeah. they decided to go for existing songs and putting them in. And this is actually the only really musical number, because everybody in the house, as they're going by their morning routine... It's kind of like 
quietly rocking along to the yes. zone, ending up with everybody in the lobby doing like break house thing, and then that's it. And it seems to be like a morning ritual that they're doing. It's so fantastic. Like there's a huge line of Muppets for the bathroom, and then yep. it's finally Animal's turn, and he gets into no, a no, bathroom. No, no, Animal cuts ahead. Animal oh, that's cuts right. the queue, and like nobody, yeah, nobody's going to complain about that. I mean, they're going to complain, but they're not going to do anything about it. It's to no advantage because the uh, the sink is occupied. The penguins are having a pool party. Yep. Ozzy is under the shower, like every single tap. So he climbs into the toilet and flushes himself. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Does this beautiful hair flick. Launches himself across the lobby with an industrial-sized hairdryer run by a two-stroke engine. I forgot how fucking bananas Muppets are. It's fantastic. <laughs> Uh, just the sheer, like, the number of Muppets that we get to see here. We get to see Waldorf and Stadler as well. Uh, uh, everyone, like, just imagine this Basically house. Basically the entire catch. Yeah. Uh, cast, sorry. Oh, I love these song and dance numbers. Like, I know they're not singing themselves, but the just, like, set design and, like, puppeteering positioning. Oh, it must, and be, the, it must be crazy. It the voice acting, s- like, I, I, lo- I saw in the credits, I couldn't believe it. There were, like, five. Like, the number of people playing Muppets was Five. Those are the voices. Oh, yeah. uh, uh, like Brian does a d- does a bunch. We've got Stephen Whitmire and Bill Beretta. I mean, names that I personally don't know, but I clearly should. We've got Jerry Nelson, Kevin Clash, and of course Frank Oz. Right. Who actually only did the voices on this thing. He didn't. Yeah. He, he almost did none of the actual puppeteering because he wasn't available. He was working on other projects at the time. I wonder what was keeping him busy. He was like kind of pursuing his own directing career at the time. Oh, uh, I, I was going to say maybe a little bit of Star Wars. Oh, well, there was that, yes. I mean, oh, wait, was, but that was also only voice. No, well, he did Yoda in uh, episode one. Episode, wasn't he CGI in episode Oh, no, no, you're no, right, no, you're right, you're right. He was actually doing Yoda. It's, uh, Very good. So he was probably working up to that, but he was also pursuing his own directing career at the time. Uh, good for him. And, uh, yeah, so the puppeteering of, of his characters was done by other uh, puppeteers, and they looped his voice in afterwards. Very which, good. So, which is interesting, because like, some of the theatrical trailers actually have the voices of the uh, the actual puppeteers doing the voices for the... Oh, because uh, they hadn't been ADR'd yet. Exactly. I wonder also how some of these were done, because, uh, let me see, Miss Piggy and Fozzie are done by the same... Oh, wait, hold on, those are, those are Frank Oz jams, aren't they? Yep. One of the, one of the Bill Beretta ones, let's see, that's, uh, that's Pepe, Bobo... Oh, that is what they're called. Bobo, yeah. Okay, Stephen Whitmire as Kermit the Frog and Rizzo the Rat. Mm-hmm. I mean, they have conversations sometimes. Yeah, I suppose. So Not I guess he has to like switch between voices doing really... And they're even in the same shot at certain points, so I guess they have like other puppeteers just like switch, switching yeah. in and out as required. I mean, considering the number of Muppets we see in this opening, this fantastic opening yeah, sequence. I mean, I mean, this is the first movie they did after Jim Henson died, so like, they had to find someone else for Kermit, obviously. Oh, uh, rest in peace. Yes. Uh, the mayhem dies down, and we're introduced to like, it's basically Moya, this house. Stuff is, uh, uh, it's incredibly the, the, the busy, food, the, stuff the, is breaking down a little right, bit. Right, the food thing is, the situation is kind of dire because the oven explodes and And everybody's uh, constantly putting more chores on kermit's shoulders so mm. kermit is definitely pilot yes absolutely there's no no doubt about it that he is actually the 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 one who's quietly running things and like right not appreciated enough for it but he does have appreciation for the people around him like it's kermit who noticed that gonzo is a bit out of sorts yeah like gonzo has a as a performing opportunity at a bar mitzvah hey gonzo aren't you performing at that bar mitzvah today Nah, the electric mayhem's covering for me. But you never pass up an opportunity to get fired out of the cannon. <laughs> uh, I mean, breakfast being over after because the bacon ran out. Uh, and the oven exploded. And yet oven another exploded. chore for yes. pilot. Uh, I mean, Kermit. Working on the mall. Miss Piggy on her way to her new job as a 
Mm. A high-powered reporter, reporter, she brags. And Gonzo sits down to get his breakfast. He's got his, what's it called again? The Captain Crunch? It's a a play on, it's it's called Captain Alphabet. So it's kind of like a bit of a a mashup between various breakfast cereals, which after he spills a few of the uh, letters... They reform into... Are you there? Yeah. Are you there? It always gives me reminders of Portal, with the the, because that's what the Portal guns are always saying, like, I can't see you. Oh, that's what you were doing. Are you there? (laughs) Dispensing product. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, he's given a, a message from beyond outer space that he's intrigued by because he's still dealing with this idea of what am I? He has a little chat with Kermit uh, uh, about that. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't even know what I am. I'm a whatever. And Kermit is distracted by some other household you, chore that needs to be Basically, taken care the, of. The, the house painters are coming by and animals bitten one of them and he has to run after them to make sure that uh, yep. they don't leave. But you know what I loved? He runs out and he stops in the doorway and he turns back to Gonzo and says, Hey, Gonzo. You know what you are, Gonzo? What? Distinct. Hey, wait, guys. He didn't mean it. He's just a musician. Yes. Right. He Even in all this crisis, he takes a moment for his friend. Gonzo takes little comfort in that, unfortunately. But the second message he gets from the uh, serial is that he should look at the sky, which is aided by the fact that the toy in the serial is a telescope. Yes. And to see... Okay. Gonzo is a, is a, one of the floppy-armed puppets. Mm-hmm. And to see this floppy-armed puppet like manhandle an extending uh, uh, telescope was very impressive puppeteering. Like, yeah. I wonder if they used... like. A hot glue or a, a little magnet in order to be able to... Because, like, gripping something. Oh, it's terribly hard, yeah. Wow. So, so there's an interesting thing about that, that uh, this is the first Muppet movie, and they've done it in all the subsequent ones, mm-hmm. where they use digital After Effects to edit out the uh, the rods that they used to do the arms with. Oh, on, on I the, mean, that's a little <laughs> bit of a shame on as there's, well. There's a few scenes where they met, where, where they missed a, a little bit where you can still see them, but most of the time you don't see the arm rods because they've been uh, edited out. I guess it's fair. The the puppeteers are always striving to make their creations come to life. And and if they could be using transparent rods that you can't see at all, they would have chosen to do that. So we cut to the scene of the Covnet Top Secret National Security Facility. Mission, investigate threat of extraterrestrial attack. Disguised as as a a cement factory. (laughs) Yeah, clever. Which is interesting, because that is actually an old cement factory, which is now the studio where this movie was filmed. Wait, oh, wait. The- that is the exterior. Oh, wait, it's the exterior of their own studio. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's the thing about these Henson productions. They are, they are, they are testaments to imagination and penny-pinching. They did, they did As, yeah, not like to spend a lot of money when they could avoid it. Like, so much ingenuity went into it. But you do spend money where you have to, like, on getting a good actor like Jeffrey Tambor. Mm. It's the uh, Screen Gem Studio in uh, Wilmington, North Carolina, apparently, where this was filmed. Okay. See, I was thinking that maybe it was filmed in uh, in Australia as well, and that it had that in, in common. Because I did notice that other than the uh, the Muppets, everybody's white. Which I, I guess so. it also has in common with... Uh, North Carolina. Uh, yeah, that makes sense. Well, I was going to say Farscape. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Yeah, we didn't have a Jeremiah Kermit here. Ooh, no. So uh, we're introduced to the director of the secret government agency, Director Edward, who is meeting with an angry five-star general played by Pat Hingle, also a fun little cameo. Well, not a cameo, I'm amazed, a role. Ju- I'm amazed that you just recognize these people and know their names. I mean, I had to look this up and write that down. Well, but, yeah. I, I, I know some of these actors, and also I've yeah. got a little reminder from my very close personal friend, whom I won't name because this, your soundbar is still listening. <laughs> 
the general is very dismissive of the yes. search for extraterrestrial uh, intelligence uh, and won't listen to the evidence that the director claims to have gathered. Because there's an inscription on the pyramids, are you there? Uh, Stonehenge now Stonehenge spells out, are shadow. you there? <laughs> <laughs> and he took all of these, uh, uh, these instances of are you there appearing on Earth and he plotted them out in little LEDs on a giant globe and made a spiral. You see the spiral? Yep. He was so proud of the spiral. the spiral. I mean, that's like a huge, big prop for only one purpose, right. showing <laughs> yes, a spiral. it's so excessive. And he's got the little remote control that does Beak. only one thing, which is turn those lights on in sequence. It's great. Which he actually has to care, call his assistant for to actually produce the remote. A goat? Rancho. Yes, sir? The remote. The goat? The remote. The, the remote. <clears throat> the remote. I thought he said the so much time went to this bear Muppet, and he's so dumb. All the the whole Muppets thing is so fantastically dumb. I'd forgotten how stupid it all is. <laughs> but yeah, so he's like being told like he's on thin ice, and he has to produce results because like the general is paying him to find aliens, and by golly, aliens he shall be found. Yeah. Back at the Muppet house, everyone is carrying on with their days. Clifford, the catfish-looking gentleman. I was really like Clifford. He's mm. so cool. Picking up the mail and has Gonzo's latest edition of, oh, what was it? Insanity Fair? Gonzo, you want your new issue of Insanity Fair? Nah, I'll get it later. But Gonzo isn't interested. He's no. sitting on the roof. Watching the sky. Uh, where he remains until night falls and a storm gathers uh, above him and a flash of lightning strikes him in a really cool, like, uh, uh, bullet time effect. Like, it freeze frames and then you move through the freeze frame. Yes. As you see the fi- the fireworks going off, which are, like so apparently cool. go off when you get hit by lightning. And then Gonzo gets shot through a wormhole to some distant part of the galaxy. Flying through space, where he meets with the uh, cosmic knowledge fish, I believe they're called. Oh, is that what they're called? With, um, with for, for some reason, Indian accents. Yes, this is still the voice, as uh, as it's known, the uh, Apuna Hasapima Petalon uh, uh, voice that has wisely been retired. A very stereotypical <laughs> impersonation of uh, yes. uh, Indian English. But he does learn something very important from them, once the, that's shaken loose from their brains. Right. That he is actually an alien and that his people are looking for him and that he has to, like, mow the lawn and put his message in the lawn. Where it can be seen from space. Mm. He returns back to the the Muppet's house, delirious like some street preacher. Running around haggard because he's, like, still... uh Singed from being hit by the lightning. Oh, yes, and supercharged because he pats Rizzo on the back. Immediately sets fire to the cards that he's holding. Transferring the electricity, yeah. And poor Rizzo, like, he actually had four aces and a seven. He was going to win this hand of poker. And he's, especially since he's just bet his, like, uh, 58 cheddar, which has never been sniffed, and he now loses it to Pepe because he has a pair of deuces. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, see, this is where I, I, I sort of crossed out Rizzo from Rigel and, right. and, and moved, or sort of Rizzo from Chiana and uh, and moved Pepe in. Like, Chiana's got the she's got the leg over on little Rigel. Yep. Uh, so he actually goes on and uh, does um, does the whole mowing scene. Yes, he gets on. Okay, that was another one that I had. His lawnmower that he rides an awful lot. His little tractor. Yeah. That was my pick for Farscape One. Oh, the 500XL. Yeah, that makes sense. Wait, the what? Oh, that's the 500XL. That's the, the brand or the, the name that it says on the side of the lawnmower. Oh, yeah. We learn that uh, in the morning briefing of uh, Mr. Ed and uh, his bear that there actually has been a sa- already been a satellite photo of the, the new landscaping that he's done. Because he's carved the message into I the lawn here. 
Yes, attracting the attention of of Kovnet, while innocent little uh, Gonzo is abused, let's be fair. By, by Rizzo and Pepe, yes. Build it, and we will come. Build what? Build a jacuzzi, and we will come, okay? Must build jacuzzi. See, this is why Rizzo and Pepe are definitely, like, whichever order, they're Chiana and Rigel, because they get yeah, up to totally, these sort of shenanigans. Because yes. <laughs> they notice that he's listening to voices now, so after they put him back to bed, after picking him up off from the lawnmower, they start whispering the sounds into his ears, saying, like, you need Ew. to build a jacuzzi and we will come. <laughs> so the jacuzzi is, is built, and Gonzo hosts a... Big alien welcome party. Yep, in the garden, everyone's enjoying the cake. And this is all for Gonzo to welcome his family. Yes. Which is the the thing that he's hoping to uh, to meet. He is disappointed by uh, uh, the lack of commitment from other participants. I mean, everybody loves the party. Yeah. Very much true. He doesn't want, like, the, for him, the party hasn't started yet. So don't cut the cake and don't eat snacks more in the pap- jacuzzi. Pa- put some more paprika on the uh, hors d'oeuvres. Because the guests of honor have not arrived, and they don't, much uh, to his disappointment. Yes. Next day, however, everybody is woken up again from the party. There is a, uh, we see for the first time, uh, Miss Biggie, uh, who apparently... Actually, I just realized that like this must mm-hmm. be the next day at the office for her, not the same day. But yeah. Oh, yeah, that's so right. So she works at the uh, end. Of, I forgot the name of the station, but... Uh, yeah, it doesn't matter. It's a, it's a, it's a local television which station. Which hosts a UFO show. Yes, and there is a commercial for that airing that uh, you have to come to the studio if you're an alien. And it, it's, this, it's this UFO conspiracy show. Which happens to coincide with Gonzo sitting downstairs in Muppet Laboratory, uh, wrapped in <laughs> aluminum foil with a yes. colander on his head with lots of tubes, leads, and other things stuck to it. Where Dr. Bunsen is uh, enhancing his reception abilities to be able to communicate with his family, he receives a portion of the garbled ad spot for this uh, UFO show. Come to our studio at 6577 Now The mothership is calling me home! Thanks, guys! And assumes that's an invitation, so he he climbs on the Farscape one. Hey, by the way, I don't think we've ever been this good at, like, describing the plot, like, linearly and clearly. I guess so, no. Is is maybe The Muppets from Space written better for us? It's certainly more straightforward than anything we see. I mean, they hadn't even heard, like, there wasn't even an iPod in 1999, was there? They hadn't... No, I don't think so, no. So podcasts were still a distant dream, and yet they took very good care of us. Thank you so much, Jim Henson Studios. Um, yes, he arrives at the studio where Miss Piggy is uh, getting the opportunity of a lifetime. The host of the show has not arrived yet. She's stuck at the airport or something or the other. Played by Andy McDowell. She's yes, so good. which we know from Groundhog Day and Four Weddings and a Funeral. But she's not here yet. We, we get to see pro- her. We the get sleazy see her. producer is, uh, is freaking out, and that's yeah. Rob Schneider, Rob Sch- who yeah. is not my favorite actor. In <laughs> not my favorite performance of Rob Schneider's. <laughs> who can we possibly get at the last minute? Who? And... <laughs> She just goes, like yeah! <laughs> knocks the I don't know what what her role is, but the girl with the uh, headset. She's placed in front of the camera and croaks. Completely locks up. <laughs> she <laughs> is terrible at this. Yes. <laughs> they tell her to read from the teleprompter, where she still reads the name, name of, of the, the actual host that she's replacing. But she's rescued by Gonzo running onto camera and starting to talk to his alien friends and say, "Like, yes, I'm here, and yes, I want to meet you." And 
please come ahead. And he doxes himself by naming his full address. Yeah. Where, where they, <laughs> Unwise. I mean, you, you, they hadn't heard of like cybersecurity at this point, not I guess. Not at all. Not even slightly. I mean, Gonzo, like you're wrapped it in anti-5G like cling film and, and, and aluminum foil, but that doesn't actually help, bud. But yes, he, it actually goes quite well, the first part of the show, because uh, Miss Piggy gets to interviewing uh, Gonzo. And it's a huge hit. It's, the phones are ringing off the hook. Everybody's loving it. Loving Gonzo, not Miss Piggy, much to her chagrin. Yes, but they're kind of a package deal because at when, this point uh, they are. Kermit shows up to uh, pick up Gonzo. He's a little bit worried about the erratic behavior yes. of his friend. But also two men in black show up. Yep. I mean, they claim that they're members of the Society for the Prevention of Cruelty to Aliens. <laughs> and decide, like, oh, why don't you come over to the limo with us? Did he say limo? So that's actually an interesting thing. I think this is one of the leftovers that came from the uh, edit script. So the first script had many more references and uh, pastiches of various things. And there was, like, the Men in Black part. There was supposed to be references to Contact and Alien, which, yeah, th- which kind of got written out of the script. But this is clearly one of those little bits that got left over. Right. Because these well, folks I- are just standing there and, like, reaching into their pocket like they're just going to pull the little mind zappy thing out. and <laughs> yeah. Rizzo volunteers uh, as his translator to come along, but Miss Piggy has a program to do. So after a right. negotiation with Rob Schneider, she goes to fetch... Uh, Shelly Schmelly, and she <laughs> promises that she can deliver Gonzo in return for uh, basically Shelly's job. Uh, she chases after the men in black, and one of them stays behind to confront her. He is not intimidated by no. her. Hey, stop my friend, hold it. I'll deal with her. <laughs> yeah. oh, you deal with me. <laughs> uh, this is a hilarious fight scene where she and him he rolls like, up his hit sleeves. Yep. He's, yeah, he's black belt, like third grade, and she's platinum belt with an unlimited line of credit. <laughs> <laughs> he soundly whips her ass, punching her repeatedly in the face. He goes, "Is that all you got?" Until she finally gets a nut shot in and manages to overwhelm him. <laughs> And then the next thing that we see is him tied up, shibari-style, in her bedroom, being questioned by her, like... Is that a bedroom? I think it was, like, some other set at the studio, but... I, I don't know. There was a bed there, and, and, suppose, and for and some it, reason also a well... And snacks. ...that and she winds up... I have no idea. Yeah, I pun- have absolutely no idea what this is. It's a fun scene, that's for sure. Oh, uh, I absolutely loved it. Any fun scene with Miss Piggy. And I love, I love how she... Uh, she gets her ass handed to her until she gets that uh, that little nut shot in. Meanwhile, at the Muppets house, a whole bunch of weirdos has shown up. You know, the the placard waving, yes. take me to your leader, uh, beam me up, Gonzo, uh, signs. <laughs> Scotty beamed me twice last Ooh, night. Damn. This was, I mean, what you're saying about, like, various pastiches of 90s science fiction, like, this is Independence Day, right? Yeah, pretty much. You had the yeah. uh, the alien parties on the roof, bring back Elvis. Uh, yes, we have the uh, woman who has sculpted a Gonzo face out of uh, uh, mashed potatoes. Just a horrifying. close encounter of the third kind. And little kid. Oh, uh, a little black kid. I think this is the only non-white actor that I've seen so far. <laughs> Fair point. Calls Kermit a little green man, which is just great. I mean, yes. <laughs> yeah, right. Gonzo, meanwhile, gets uh, carted off to the uh, COVID... No, no, sorry. The- <laughs> oh, oh, too soon. I mean, still. We were still in the middle of it, so... Yeah. The Covnet, sorry, it is. Which is actually an acronym which never gets explained what it stands for. I swear, I've heard it come up at some point. Like, I I feel like maybe I, I saw it in my preparation for, ooh, uh, uh, a human reaction. Okay. Because the agency yes. that 
you know, that seizes uh, uh, Crichton and the aliens is unnamed. I'm pretty sure that it was mentioned at some point because it, it sounded very familiar as well when I was doing the research for this. And I know for a fact that it has come up at some point. So it There's might as well have been. about, yeah. yeah, it's going to bug us, but I'm sure we'll find out where we've got uh, director Edward, who insists on being called Ed, yes. doing a very slow welcome to all, Earth. And he does all the hand gestures. Uh, invites him to sit in the, uh, in the, in the, in the Aurora, Aurora chair. chair. Fetch the comfy chair. Right? I mean, there's even like a, a sort of rotating shot while he's walking around it, just yes. like John strapped in the, into that monstrosity. Well, he, well, he's actually pumping the seat up so that, like, to bring uh, Gonzo a little, up a little bit higher. <laughs> okay, so worried about their friend, the Muppets gather in the Muppets' labs for uh, their field equipment. Yes, because there's only one place to go when they have to go out on the job, and that is to the Muppet lab. And they have, they're presented with the uh, the brand new tools of the trade, which is... Uh, door in a jar? A door in a jar. Yep. Uh, which looks like some radioactive goop. A uh, rubber ducky with invisibility spray. Aha, the old rubber ducky with invisibility spray trick. Check. And after Miss Piggy shows up in wearing some vamp outfit. Her outfit is amazing. It is. This uh, is where I crossed her out again from John and, and, and tentatively gave her to Zan because... She looks great in blue. She does. She does. She's not so very good at walking down the stairs in high heels because she makes a bit of a crash. <laughs> oh, no, she's so good. But she does get given a mind control spray. Yeah. Why didn't you lead with that, Dr. Bunsen? Like, that seems to be number one, especially since it has multiple charges. And you're going to go into a uh, government facility. So, yeah, that makes sense. Where Gonzo is being inspected, Director Ed puts on a rubber, rubber glove, glove. And fingers Gonzo's nose, discovers, ah, no, no nostrils. nostrils. Which is something I, I expected more to come from that. I know. Like, but nothing, I, I started yeah. looking at, at all the Muppets and which one of them have nostrils. <laughs> and, like, Rizzo, maybe he's got a little button nose. Yeah. Many but the, certainly not Kermit. I mean, Bozo doesn't, or Bobo. I forget if it's Bozo or Bobo. The, the bear. I think Bobo the bear. Yeah. I really liked Bobo he the is, bear. He's very, like, he's very he's, friendly and a little bit, like, a very Hagrid-esque, I would call him. Yeah. Sticky hands because he's always eating sandwiches. Yes. Rizzo gets a little bit uppity and pushes a button to have a security guard comes in, played by none other than... It's wrestling legend... Hollywood Hulk Hogan? A, a absolute, to me, a nothing celebrity. Like, I I was never, I'm not an American, right? So I no. never, like, partook of the grandiose celebrity of wrestling. I didn't realize that Hulk Hogan and Hollywood Hulk Hogan were separate people. Like, he... Uh, they are separate people? See, this is what I mean. Like, we just don't know. No. He takes a moment to address the uh, the camera, does a, breaks the fourth wall, raps at the audience with, uh, uh, with various absolutely wonderful alliterations. I will continue to make your back crack, your knees freeze, and your liver quiver. I will continue to put so much pain on you, you'll become my paniac. Hollywood. Hollywood. But he's interrupted by Jeffrey Tambor. Uh, we're doing a different kind of movie. Yeah. Uh, he <laughs> grab, grabs Rizzo by the tail. Yes, stuffs him in a pneumatic tube. Yep, uh, which sends him down to the lab, where we get, he gets dropped in a prison scene. Yeah, this uh, was so well set up. Like, you've got all these prisoner rats. You've got a big, beefy one standing over him with a mohawk. Who, who looks a of- lot like Remy's brother in uh, Ratatouille. Oh! I've got a lot of similar... Uh, color-wise, it's not the same, but body type mean? and attitude. And you go like, okay, this is going to turn ugly. But no, it's like everybody's really friendly. You know, I once dined at a Ratatouille-themed restaurant on a Disney cruise boat where I was photographing a wedding. Oh, dined. Sorry, I thought you said died. I was just like, this is a story I haven't heard. 
amazing and uh, so is this scene as well because he winds up in essentially jail you know you've got yep. you've got one of the rats like pushing up uh, uh, barbells and playing an harmonica and he stands over Rizzo and goes how you doing I'm Bubba hey Rizzo nice to meet you nice to meet you how'd you like to meet some of the boys here uh, sure yeah. they're really cool but you're expressing this like you're, like you're my prison girlfriend now but that never happens <laughs> no he just introduces the new guy hey look yeah. that's the new guy uh, that's the <laughs> there's the Dr. Birds or whatever like he doesn't do any harm he um, just likes his birds oh right yes the birds sorry I thought you were talking about the uh, <laughs> and then this little puppet gets attacked by a, a live action pigeon and yells oh people not in front of the boys yeah. <laughs> uh, Rizzo realizes that he is now a lab rat uh, his his Aurora chair is spun around and he's confronted with these images of the message that Scorpius, pardon me, Ed believes that he knows more about. Which he's super excited about because he now realized that, like, yeah, they've really been out looking for him everywhere, but unfortunately has no answers for any of the questions that uh, Dr. Ed has. And then he says, well, I know that the information is somewhere in your brain, so we're going to have to open up your head and scoop it out. The information? No, your brain. What? Okay, harsh, so harsh. Escalating a little bit, but... He's got some friends who are on the way. We've got a bus full of Muppets, and Kermit holds a rousing speech about how we're not going to leave anyone behind, and then they realize... That they forgot Dr. Bunsen and Beaker. Okay, starting now. Like, it doesn't even occur to them to go back and fetch them. They don't show up again until much later in the movie. Uh, <laughs> okay, so now we're in the laboratory with the rats, and we've got, a, we've got an evil scientist. Yes, Dr. Tucker, okay. played, played by David Arquette. Oh, this was the Arquette. Yes, this was the Arquette. Right. Okay. Well, I know that there's a multitude of Arquettes, and they were a big deal in the, in, in the 90s. a few of them, yes. I mean, Patricia, she did okay. She did True Blood and various other masterpieces. But yes, he gets uh, to go into uh, weird uh, rat experiments. From this moment on, if I say you're hungry, you eat. If I say you're sleepy, I eat. Rizzo mouths off to him, and as punishment, they get put in the labyrinth. I had him as my, this, this scientist, Dr. Tucker, as my candidate for Crace. Yeah, I can see that. Unreasonably like aggressive and obsessed. And he's with got the, the right kind of facial hair for it. So <laughs> yeah. yes, he is totally. <laughs> I am totally down with that. So yeah, he defies the orders of his masters and uh, and subjects our hero to. Uh, uh, I mean, did you have Rizzo as John? I had him as John. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So, no, I, I can sort of. <laughs> I was sort of feeling that here as well. It didn't occur Because he me. gets like weird experiments where he has to choose between poison and cheese and he gets punched with a boxing, oh my God, yeah. boxing glove on a uh, ex- on one of those extendo things, no matter a, a which one he chooses. I think they're pantograph, called. yes. And he gets spun around in a centrifuge and uh, oh, things gosh, like that. Yeah. So yes, he's, he's experimented on quite extensively. He doesn't crack. Unlike does Gonzo, who starts talking to a sandwich. Yes. Well, I mean, Bobo comes and brings him a sandwich. He's a bit fanstruck, that. Bobo. He is. He saw the show with Gonzo on TV, and he's like been been a big fan. He uh, he starts off with asking him for an autograph earlier on. Yeah, uh, but now he comes brings him a sandwich with the uh, crust cut off. A sandwich which starts talking to Gonzo as soon as the bear lifts his heels. Yeah, because he's the sandwich is being used as a vessel for the voice of right. uh, one of the aliens. Also, Brian Henson, actually, he uh, did the sandwich. Ah, very good. Yes. Of, among the many credits for which Brian Henson is going to be famous... <laughs> sandwich. N- number one is probably Alien Sandwich. Forget about the sandwich! Yes, I'm sorry. 
He has a conversation with them, tells them that, like, okay, they're coming down, and uh, Gonzo tells them that he, they should go to Cape Doom. Yes, I, I didn't know exactly what the deal was, but I know that in the earlier montage, he was looking at all the photos that all the Muppets have of their various families yes. and, uh, and relatives, and he only had a photo of himself alone on the beach. Uh, on that beach. Yeah. Oh, was that that? I, did, I, I had not made that connection. But yeah, it's got it, a lighthouse there as well. He talks about yeah, uh, okay. meet at the, meet yeah, at the lighthouse. While he's in his cell, uh, the Muppets have arrived at the cement factory, and they are starting their assault upon the secret government compound. Hiding in the bushes, which walk around, which is so great, like you've got a little walking bush. Classic. And we've got, let me see who we've got. We've got Animal, we've got Fozzy, Miss Piggy, Pepe, the King Prawn, and Kermit. And they're sort of strategizing how to get uh, uh, past Ray Liotta, who's playing the the guard here. Miss Piggy decides to use her feminine wiles on him, and failing that, resorts to the mind control spray. Yeah, just lead with that now. (laughs) She really likes that and convince him that, oh, you were going to let us through. And uh, which he does. Now tell me I'm beautiful, sweetheart. You are beautiful, sweetheart. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I, I never get tired of that guy. <laughs> Ray Liotta's a bit of all right, isn't he? Yeah, he's doing very well and seems to be very happy to let them through. Once inside the compound, they decide it's time to go for the invisibility spray, which uh, gets uh, sprayed around a little bit and everybody starts moving in. It's but, cute. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. It's, yeah, yeah. I noticed you really enjoyed that scene with the two guards. Yeah, they uh, uh, invisible now. They pass between two guards, one of whom smoking, and Pepe goes, "Hey, that's bad for your health." And the, and the smoking dude, an, an older gentleman, looks at the other one and goes, "Oh, didn't know you care." And, and flicks away his cigarette. Yeah. <laughs> like that's, it's so sweet. Yes. Like they're all, I, I really love that there was all these setups for really cynical, edgy 90s humor. And they're just like... They're, they're not doing it. Yeah. No, they're flipped and they become really sincere and kind of sweet. Still in a deranged and sometimes upsetting way. That's the Muppets for you. So we're introduced to a Muppet that I hadn't recognized before. Maybe this is because I didn't know the television series well enough, but it's this professor. Phil Von Neuter. Yeah. And he's, and also he's, done by Brian Henson. Oh, well done. Yes. He's one of the Muppets. You've got a few of them who have, like, human hands in their hands. Yes. Right? Uh, you've got noodle-armed Muppets, like Gonzo and Kermit, and, and then this one has... Uh, he's slightly large, and he has uh, actual hands, and he's very enthusiastic about scooping Gonzo's brain out. Yes. he's going, He starts going through the questionnaire, and, like, when's the last time your tentacles itched, and I don't have any tentacles. Does your head come the, off? That kind of thing. Not lately? Uh, no. Oh, okay. <laughs> And eventually gives up and goes like... Oh, who cares? It's showtime! Here we go. Yep, our, our heroes are on the way. They've taken a quick detour because uh, Fozzie needed to use the little bear's room, but yep. his mother taught him to always wash his hands, so now he's got two visible, visible hands. <laughs> They're uh, set upon by a guard who gets chased off by animal. Uh, yes, a, a female guard yep. chased off by animal going... Ah, woman! Woman! Animal! While she was trying to arrest two hands. You'd think that, like, putting some handcuffs on a pair of hands is easy, but no, uh, Fozzie gives her a a bit of a run for her money until Animal starts getting at her. The invisibility spray wears off for uh, for everyone, and things are looking grim. The brain-sucking starts to proceed, and at the same time, Ed is uh, bringing the general into the observation room so they can see the brain-sucking part. Yes, and finally, like, absolute undeniable proof of... uh, Alien uh, life. Because, oh yeah, we didn't talk about that. He does not like to be laughed at. Oh yes. When Gonzo like has a little, or Rizzo had a little titter, he really freaks out. He's almost like Maldus who doesn't do requests. I am 
I'll do requests. Uh, yeah, he apparently has some childhood trauma with being laughed at. And, Gosh, uh, yeah. Yeah, he does not uh, react very well to that. So the rats have escaped, meanwhile. Well done, rats. I don't I wonder, not exactly how that happened, but there, there, there's like a talk about that they can't escape because the, the table is four foot off the floor, and then it's 12 foot to the door, and then it's four, another four feet up to the door handle, which makes 18 feet. 20. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, it's such a throwaway gag. <laughs> Nothing's done with it. It's so good. But even then, they couldn't turn the door knob because rats don't have opposable thumbs. But Rizzo doesn't need that, because somehow he has made a hole in the metal cage and a hole through the stone wall behind it. Shawshank uh, Redemption. Yeah, I suppose. He's yeah. Shawshank Redemption. <laughs> he's, he's Tim Robbins his way through, yeah, uh, yeah. through the door. He even hung up a poster of, oh, I wonder who the poster is of. Because it was like Rita, whatever, in, in the film. But he won't abandon his friend. No, they all, uh, the, the rats go scurrying off, but uh, Rizzo comes back and meets up with the others in the hallway. Who have dressed up as, as two scientists by stacking themselves yep. on top of one two another. Two Muppets in a lab coat. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Kermit as being the head of one and Pepe being the head of the other one. It's it's totally absurd. But it's like, I mean, you've got a, pro- a professor from Neuter who lives there as well. So Muppets in the research facility and the bear. So that's not going to look no, strange. No, ex- exactly. Yeah. This is apparently one of those worlds where just every few thousand people is a Muppet and you don't, you don't make no, fun of it. They manage to uh, break into the uh, room where the professor is trying to do the brain sucking and make havoc of the thing. Uh, the, the the rats, yes. yes. They manage to slow him down by inflicting chaos upon him because our heroes, uh, the rest of the crack commando team needs to uh, needs to regroup. Uh, the female guard has fallen head over heels in love with uh, Animal. And there's who, a teary goodbye. Well, he tries to dump her. And, and she, she's having none of it. It's like, call no. me. Uh, the general, in the meantime, loses all faith in Ed because when he pulls open the, the, the blinds. French blinds, uh, it's just like the lab's in chaos and the only thing we see is the professor. Yes, uh, an Independence Day reference because uh, the professor the, the is... Slamming against the window. Uh, Release me. Yes. <laughs> Our heroes use the last of their, their gadgets, the door in a jar, which oh, yeah. is tossed against the wall. A little bit of janky CGI. Hey, uh, Farscape did a lot better. Yeah, door is only big enough for uh, Rizzo and Pepe to go through. Uh, Pepe running through and immediately locking it out. Oh, I cannot believe that little shrimp left us behind. But Pepe's... Pepe is his buddy. It's like he does he's not no let shrimp. his essays. Uh, he's no shrimp. He is a king prawn. Yeah. Opens the door, which is apparently on the, uh, suddenly on the other side of the corridor. But it's yeah, tiny-wimey. never mind. <laughs> uh, and, and everybody escapes. Yeah, much to the frustration of director Ed, who insists on being given the... Subatomic neutral. Oh, the really big gun. Which... I wonder if the script originally said, uh, you know, BFG. It's not the Men in Black reference, obviously, you know, where they have the big, shiny, uh, 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 sparkly space guns. And they put, they make a point of putting the clip in. Yes. So on the way to Cape Doom, Miss Piggy uh, calls in her cameraman to make sure that he shows up there and tells her to tell nobody. So he immediately blurts it out. Yeah. And, and the-, the entire hippie squad starts heading for the Cape. <laughs> yeah. Another hippie squad shows up as well, which is a, a team of hippies from whom uh, Dr. Bunn and Beaker got a ride. Yeah, they uh, somehow hitched a ride from the gas station where they were left behind with all the snacks, I noticed. Yeah. Um, Miss Piggy starts to do her thing uh, when actually the, uh, the the proper hostess of the show shows up. This is my show, my story, my microphone. This is Shelly Snipes reporting. Please ignore the little Sal. Ah! Uh, disregard this woman. I don't know what ah! There's another... There's Punch th- up. <laughs> which, once again, Miss Piggy loses. Yes. But off screen, she comes in with her mind control spray. What am I doing? Um, you are about to give me your job and get everyone here a cup of coffee. Oh, yes, of course. Right away. 
That mind control spray is fantastic. I love this stuff. She is maybe not the... Well, she's really not the worst person to have that spray, but she's not the best either. No, I mean, like, it's a very awful power to have, I suppose, mind control spray like that. Uh, She doesn't seem to be be bothered by it, but she can wield this power apparently relatively responsibly, and even Dr. Von Neuter, who they have, has turned around. Yeah, they're like, uh, he's happy to be with everybody else. And there's a great big party happening on the beach, which starts to wind down a little past midnight when nobody has still shown up, and Gonzo decides... Yeah, because it was supposed to show up at midnight. Yeah, and Gonzo calls it and is like, oh, it's a no-show, nothing's happening. Everybody immediately start, kind of turns on him and goes yeah, like, Yeah, they were ah, really aggressive. Yeah, it's like, dudes, you weren't invited here. It's like, hey, you- <laughs> I stayed up all night and partied instead of studying because of you. Wait, whoa, hold on. It doesn't yeah. sound like you really cared about studying. <laughs> no. Signs get thrown into barrels to be burnt. <laughs> they escalate so hard. Yes, it's like immediately they turn on him like from everybody loving Gonzo to scorning him almost. I want to know whether their sort of costumes and outfits were like directed by the costume department or was it just like come as you are. Show up as a bunch of hippies. Yeah. Yeah. But just as things start to go south a bright light appears and this like huge ship comes flying in which turns out to be like about a football sized egg. (laughs) I had that written down as hashtag egg. (laughs) Very good. Uh, Uh, It's a sort of glowy like space egg which opens up, blasts a a, a ray of light into the the sky. I think this was the aliens reference here because like you you know how this kind of like this egg kind of sits there and like the petals open up like the alien eggs go. Oh yes. It's not quite as vaginal as the alien No, it's much more mechanical. But it blasts out a a beacon light, and very shortly afterwards, the the mothership arrives. They speak to Gonzo over the speaker system as their uh, their little brother, their long-lost relative. Move move over to the left a little bit. Move move into the light. Yes. Ah, that's it. Are you Gonzo? Yes, I'm Gonzo. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. It takes so long for him to, like, the, the ramp opens up and there's this helmeted figure and he says, come closer to Gonzo and, like, very specific instructions. And then she says, oh, yeah, it's him. And then turns around and runs back inside. Yep, they All are. the whatevers are, are, like, show people because... <gasps> we know but one way to express our happiness at having found you. And they dump the entire middle section out, which is a giant stage where another song and dance number is is ready, singing Celebration by whoever sang Celebration. Cool and the Gang. Cool and the Gang, thank you! <laughs> Wait, uh, was it actually Cool? It was Cool and the Gang. No, but did they get Cool and the Gang to oh, voice I've, these Muppets? Oh, I have no idea. But yes, a big celebration in which all the uh, the hippies and all the other revellers get to join in as well, and it culminates in uh, Gonzo getting shot out of a cannon. Yes, their, their most sacred Sir, tradition. tradition. <laughs> Which explains a few things about Gonzo. Yeah, he's so happy as he's launched into the air and descends back down. And they're all carrying one of those, like, they're stretching one of those... Trampolines, uh, yeah. ...to catch him, which he smashes through, obviously. Through the floor, but ta-da, he arrives out and everything is good. Until uh, Edda shows up again with the BFG. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Can we... Do we have a PG-13, for, like, for that acronym? Big... The... Fantastic the, gun? The, oh, okay. <laughs> Yes, the, the big, big the big frilling gun. Oh, <laughs> yeah! Uh, threatens everyone with the the big frilling gun, but it jams. It's it, like please load weapon, please load weapon. Because like, uh, Bobo has, has removed the the magazine and. Uh, all the whatevers love this because they thought it was like this was apparently the height of comedy as far as they're concerned. Uh, yeah, and when he gets over the 
the trauma of being laughed at, he realized that they're extending to him the honor of becoming the ambassador. Yes, they put a cape on him and they invite him over to the ship. One of Moya's skin flakes, I noticed. Yes, very much so. <laughs> I guess that's where they got it from. It's a good litmus test. Uh, but yeah, they invite him back to the ship and they ask Gonzo to come with them as well. But he decides that, no, he wants to be with his Azat's family here on Earth. And yeah. that he, is a, he might be an alien but he is a Muppet too, and he wants to be with his family. I loved the little goodbye scene that they had, sort of saying goodbye to the Muppets who were, like, even... Yeah, Rizzo goes like, oh, I don't do goodbyes, and clearly, like, heartbroken that his roommate is uh, leaving. Yeah, uh, 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 Kermit. You're the best friend any alien could ask for. We love you, Gonzo. That's why I think I had Kermit as Zan for a little bit. Like, yeah. he is so there for, uh, for Gonzo and tells him, like, we love you, Gonzo. Yeah. Those are words that are not said often enough. Very true. That's also why once he's up the ramp and wearing his glorious helmet, Gonzo turns around and realizes that he is home. Yep, he has to, and he wants to stay here and not go back uh, into space. At least he knows now that he is not the only kind of his, the only one of his kind. Yeah. Uh, uh, and, uh, Apparently, family is more important. So there was an interesting rewrite in the script at some point because oh. originally Gonzo was meant to be kidnapped by the aliens. Oh wow! Uh, who had made themselves look like him because they thought that he was like the ultimate being. Oh! Uh, and he was under the impression that he was one of them right until the end, where he realized that he'd rather right. be, be with his actual family. Uh, See, that's a bit of a cynical. It was, yes. Turn. Like, I, I kind of love that this, as I mentioned, like there, it, it skates past the edge of 90 cynicism and just nopes right out and, and goes for sincerity and love. Yeah, I think that's not, that this is much better. Like I think he, so too. He, you know, he, he, has, he has two families to choose from now and he chooses to be with the Muppets. What a fantastic, what a, like, <laughs> I know it's really stupid. It's really dumb. I genuinely loved it. And I thought <laughs> the ending was so great. Even though it was like... It is the ultimate sort of 90s cop-out ending for a comedy to not really resolve the plot, but no. to just do a big musical number at the end where Smash Mouth shows up, or in this case, and, Cool and the Gang. Yeah. So you're, well, you're a little bit among the exception, because this movie did not do well. Oh, dear. Yeah, it's uh, got 63% on Rotten Tomatoes, uh, and it made $22.3 at the box office out of a $24 million budget. So, Oops. Yeah, it did not do well. No. Uh, and well, we haven't seen a lot of Jim Henson pictures since then. It, it was nominated for the 2000 Young Artist Award, but it got beaten by Stuart Little. Do you know that Stuart Little was written by M. Night Shyamalan? No, I don't know who that is. Oh, a Sixth Sense? Yeah, oh, right, yeah. that guy. I think, yeah. 1999 was a good year for M. Night yeah, Shyamalan. I suppose. But, uh, yeah, Frank Oswald uh, has, in an interview, said that it was not up to what it should have been, and it's not the movie we wanted it to be. Which is... I wonder what then they wanted it to be. I wonder, okay, yeah. maybe the things that I appreciate about it were sort of studio cop-outs to make it more family-friendly. Su- maybe, that maybe was yeah. Case. I mean, it was fun. It was entertaining enough to watch, but it, not everybody liked it. I'll, I'll certainly agree that there weren't enough songs. Well, it's, that it was my the, main problem. I mean, with this is a Muppet but the soundtrack property. was fantastic. Yeah, true. They picked they picked a lot of good numbers to. Uh, I'm going to be popping along around. to this for the rest of the week, I think. <laughs> and the end credits, which uh, okay, so it's all these kaleidoscope things uh-huh. in the background. Yeah. And I was watching this. Oh, that's really spacey and really cool. And then I realized they're kaleidoscopic like patterns of Muppets' faces. Yes. <laughs> Those are the bizarre patterns. Okay, so I have a few notes of of stuff that baffled me, which I don't think we can resolve. Like, yeah, there was a lot of like '90s gags that yeah. in this era, something about like Ted Koppel. Oh come on, please! You think Ted Koppel never gets excited? 
I don't know what that is. No that, idea. Uh, probably some of our listeners are screaming into their headphones right now. But uh, let me see. What did we have? We had the many Zoltans ago. We left you behind. <laughs> yes, I had that as well. So now, that's what we're going to be calling uh, 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 cycles now. We're going to talk. Call, call them Zoltans. But Zoltans, that's, that's from uh, Dude, Where's My Car, isn't it? Yeah, it's like, Zoltan. yes, Zoltan. <laughs> Uh, A reference to HMO, which was a type of insurance that I don't know whether it's still current, but it was... HMO. It was a type of medical insurance company that was good or not. It's basically the network that your doctor should belong to in order for your insurance company to cover it, I think. Uh, Yeah, uh, like apparently a 90s topic of, of interest that we can't really relate to, certainly in the Netherlands. She gives me a woody. She gives you the willies. Okay, so willies and woodies is unusually challenging this time Ooh, around. Yes. I mean, normally you kind of have to struggle for for which one do we pick for the for the woody. It's oh, certainly in season two, the woodies have not been easy to come by. No, it's generally been, it's been a bit dark. I mean, the woodies here. Let's see, what did I really enjoy about this movie? The opening scene and the ending scene and everything in between, kind of. For me. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> but you, any highlights? I enjoyed the rat scenes, the the, the lab rats, where they oh, were like that. being like treated as uh, yeah, basically lab rats with all kinds of cruel experiments. That so is a really good point. When they're, when they're running through the maze, and uh, the other rat goes, "Hey, Rich, watch out for them red circles, eh?" Oh yeah, what's wrong with the red? And he gets zapped and flies that thing. They never listen. listen. <laughs> <laughs> but the rats always have such a... I mean, I say always. Literally, like, I've just realized that probably all of my Muppets memories are Muppets Treasure Island, which I've watched enough to compensate <laughs> for never having seen the series properly. Well, you've seen A Christmas Carol, too, as well. Oh, yes, that's yeah. true. But do the rats also have a subplot? Because in, in Muppets Treasure Island, they have a, a completely separate plot where they're on the boat just as as if it's a cruise and they're all having a holiday. Oh, yes. <laughs> and like they're, the entire adventure passes them by because they're just busy as tourists. Rizzo is there in Christmas Carol, but he's uh, like a narrator along with Gonzo. Oh, okay. Oh, yes, that's right. Gosh, I need to see more Muppets. Let's see. Uh, Woody's, well, yes. I don't think I had a specific Woody. I mean, I love the bear. He was just like being such... I know. He was... <laughs> you just kind of want to, to like... Like Good job. Marshmallow on his hands when he's p- he's patting the director on his shoulder. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he's basically, but he means so well, he and he does. really does his best. Uh-huh. Woody Wise, kind of light. Some of the gags were a little flat. I can understand that uh, Brian Hentz probably wanted to do better. Like the density of humor and the nuance was uh, was a lot stronger in Muppets Treasure Island, mm. and certainly like the later Muppet films as well. They yeah. also did. Excellent. Yeah, it seems to it, uh, the movie seemed to start off with that being a lot stronger, and towards the end, when they were actually working on the plot more, then the the gags started to taper off a little bit. A little, yeah. Especially during the last scenes at the beach, it, it almost becomes serious before the the, the big musical number. Uh, it finishes Which, up well. Yeah. yeah, it's well executed, but it's also a bit of a cop. You know, Rat Race does it as well. Tons no. and tons of them do it. At least it's not Smash Mouth this time. But True. man, that opening sequence, the fantastic choreography of all those Muppets and uh, that house and must have been a house. Swiss cheese before all. Exactly, these, yeah. exactly. Like, well, I'm, I'm assuming it was a set. I can only hope that it was a set. Can you imagine oh. if Brian Henson showed up here right now with a power drill and said, "We want to film a Muppet scene in your house," you'd say no, right? <laughs> well, yes. It's like, no, I have to live in this house. I want to keep the rain out. I don't have a basement. You can't like make a big hole big enough. <laughs> you yeah. don't have a basement yet. <laughs> And that's the story so far, Scape, for this fantastic greatest hiatus. We hope you've enjoyed it as much as as we have. And, oh, 
Hey, before we read the synopsis for next week, yeah. I've uh, made an update in my handy-dandy little database where we've gotten such great submissions from our listeners. So what I'm doing now is I'm going to condense all of the submissions that we get for next week's episode into just a single announcement, and yeah. then we can actually read the submissions once you've seen the actual program. Okay, that sounds like a good idea, because then I can actually respond to them properly yes, and see how right, they Instead went. of just being baffled, and we can enjoy them when we're watching that episode. So we'll see you next week with episode 207, Home Home on on the the Remains, Remains. in which someone gets hangry enough to barbecue a toothbrush and trigger a deadly spring. Moya must travel to a rotting space corpse full of space rednecks to ask Mrs. Potato Head for help. Beware the Baskerville Hound. Thanks to Greg, Wookie, and Matthew. You can find us at SoFarscape on Twitter and Facebook and on SoFarscape.com. I'm Kaki. I'm Kay. SoFarscape's so good. good.